When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Car Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hello and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm your host, Scott Benjamin. And I am Kurt Guerin. Kurt is back with me again for another week. I hope, Kurt, that you stick around because we've got a lot to cover today. I hope so, too. Well, for sure you're going to stick around for today, right? For sure. I mean, you're not going to, like, split or anything. I know you got you got double duty. You're the producer as well. Which not, I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Just between here and there. <laughs> It's not too far. It's like no. it's like six feet. Yeah, yeah that. getting over to the board. All right. So, uh, well, you're, you're doing your job remotely, I guess. Let's uh, not um, ruin the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> We've broken the fourth wall. <laughs> All right, so today, you know, I promise, okay, first, a couple of things here. One thing that I want to do is if you're listening to this episode and you're not particularly interested in RVs, which I don't know why you clicked on it then because, you know, the RV is in the, the title, mm-hmm. but but I will tell you this. As you know, our shows aren't always about exactly what the title says. So, like, if it's a show about RVs, we may wander off somewhere else and talk about something different. And I actually think that this one is interesting to people that aren't in the RV lifestyle or don't know about the RV, don't know much about RVs. I think there's a lot to be learned here and a lot that's eye-opening about the industry. We're definitely going to tell you... Um, the truth as we know it, I'm not, and I'll be upfront about this too. I think we maybe we should do this. We, I didn't even, I'm going to hit you with this uh, on the fly here, Kurt, but I don't personally have any RV experience. I don't know about you. Do you have any? Not me either. Okay. You never lived in one. You've never owned one, anything like that? No. Okay. Me either. And uh, all of the information that we're getting is, is secondhand. You know, we're going by some reviews that have been written by people that are in the lifestyle that, that have been doing this for some of them, in some cases, 50 years, they've been RVing, uh, they've been in the, li- I keep saying the lifestyle, but it's it's the it's the RV uh, group. Community. Yeah, the community. That's a better way to say it. They're in the RV community and they're um, they're knowledgeable about the equipment, about, you know, the way things have changed over the decades. They're, they're knowledgeable about, you know, what to watch for, what not to, what not to worry about, what, you know, what's important. But I will tell you this, and I feel like this is important at the head of this one for some reason. <laughs> well, actually, I know, I know why. <laughs> And I'm, I'm laughing as I'm saying this because uh, you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed about this. A little bit. I want to say that I almost wanted to call this episode not a hit piece on RVs. 
and, and maybe I will. This is not meant to be a hit piece on RVs. There's going to be a lot of negative information about RVs that if uh, if you pay attention, you, you'll understand that you know that's that's a a predominant thought out there um, online. You know, among people that are writing about RVs, is that things aren't going so well for the RV industry right now. And that hasn't always been the case, but right now things aren't going that well. And I want to make sure that people understand that we're not trying to, um, you know, um, be completely negative about RVs. There's some really positive things about RVs as well and RVing, but I don't know if a lot of them are going to come out in this podcast because that's not what this podcast is about. We'll do another one that is positive. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's on the folks that buy RVs maybe with a jaded mindset about the lifestyle. Yeah, could be. And about what owning an RV entails and your, I don't know, responsibilities in buying one and maintaining one and sure. driving safe in one and just everything that goes into the RV lifestyle, just grasping yeah. that before you dive in. Yeah, the moment you sign the paper... A lot of things change, and we'll get to exactly what we mean by that. But I do want to say this, too. Uh, we're not trying to discourage anybody from buying an RV. If, you, if that's what you want to do, by all means do so. But we want to make sure that you do do your research, that you understand exactly what's going on here, because we've been looking into this for about a week now, and it was eye-opening to me. I had no I had no idea when I dug into this. I thought it was going to be a slightly different show. I really didn't know it was going to be quite the way that it's going to turn out, I think. And, uh, and I'll tell you how this all came about in just a moment, but I should refer listeners, uh, the, you know, listeners of Car Stuff, you know, past and present, back to some other Car Stuff shows that we've done that are related. Of course, we've got How RVs Worked. We did way back in 2009, so I don't know what that one's going to be like, but uh, you'll hear Ben and I discussing that. And then we did the craziest custom RVs, which I know was a fun one. I remember having a good time with that one. And then we did one that was a little bit related. It was called Living in a Car, which <laughs> I guess you can kind of <laughs> you can kind of extrapolate that, you know, living in a car is a little bit like living in an RV, uh, maybe not quite as luxurious yeah. as living in an RV. And, <laughs> and even, well, We'll talk about that too, the luxury aspect of the whole thing. But again, not a hit piece. Um, we and I say that because we were accused of that uh, when we when we did another episode called the Amtrak story back in 2011, and then maybe on a little slighter, uh, like a lesser note, when we did car title loans more recently in 2017. So uh, the Amtrak piece was really. <laughs> It, we didn't mean it to be, but it was very negative. This one, going into it, I kind of understand that it's negative, but I think that it serves a purpose. And I hope you feel the same way, Kurt. Yeah. It, it serves a purpose in order to kind of open people's eyes about the industry and what's happening right now. And also, the positive spin on this whole thing is going to be how they're changing things. Because they are making some changes to fix some things, but... In a lot of cases, it's a little bit too late, yeah. a little bit too late for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, some people have made the jump a little too early. I just feel like there's so much here. I've, I've done it again. I've, I've, I've over-prepared for today's show, which is, you would think, <laughs> you think that's good or I'm, I'm bragging or something, but I'm not. It's actually, actually a problem because now I have far too much information. We're not going to stretch it to two episodes. I don't want to do that with, uh, with this topic. So I, I know there's going to be some that we're going to kind of gloss over and I'll just refer people to look up at the end. But there's a direction that we need to start heading, and I think we better start heading there now and, uh, and just kind of let the, uh, as Ben would say in the past, uh, let the badge ride out of the bag. Let the cat out of the bag. Sounds um, good. I get the uh, carrot back in the sack or out of the sack or whatever. I don't know. He had a bunch of sayings <laughs> like that, and I, I'm no good at them, but I'll get better, I promise. So here's where we're going to begin. Originally, I wanted to start with an article that I had read that was called The Truth About RVs. 
and I found it really intriguing. It was written in uh, September of 2019, so it's very recent. It's a long, long-form article. Uh, it takes you know a good 15 minutes to read. By no means are we going to step through the whole thing. There's no way we can do that. But from that article came so many different interesting things that I had to look up, and we started to kind of branch off into our own direction and look at different items. And one thing in there was this video. The title of the video is called... Uh, it's called Don't Buy an RV, and it's written by a guy named Stephen Leto, and Leto is a, uh, an attorney at law in the state of Michigan. He specializes in consumer protection and lemon laws, interestingly enough, in um, um, legal problems with cars and other big purchases like that. So he has a 17-minute video online, uh, and again, he has many, many episodes of this uh, online You know that are about all kinds of different things, not, but it's mostly car-related, which is interesting to our, our listeners. But this one, again, is called Don't Buy an RV, and he has good, very good reason not you know that you don't want to do this. And when I started digging into the Don't Buy an RV video, what did you find that would come up uh, in the related videos right next to it? Horror stories. Yeah. More Mm -hmm. of the same, right? Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's surprising how many people are telling you don't buy an RV. And it's people that own RVs or have owned RVs for decades and are kind of in uh, in the lifestyle, in the community of RVing. And they're saying... Right now is not the time for you to get into this 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 activity. Yeah, they're so upset about it that they're not ashamed to come out and talk about the terrible mistakes that they've made just right from the get-go. Yeah. Read the dealership, signing uh, contracts and paperwork that they shouldn't have signed and agreeing to all sorts of things that took a lot of their consumer protections away. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, the funny thing is that... I didn't realize that all this was going on. I, I mean, I see RVs on the road. I see some amazing RVs on the road, you know, like every type. I mean, there's the tow behinds. There's the little teardrop ones that you can pull mm-hmm. behind a compact car even if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the fifth wheel. There's just regular trailers. There's campers that you can put on the back of a truck. There's the type that look like buses, you know, the ones that are like like giant tour buses that are, mm-hmm. you know, surely million-dollar coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, no doubt about it. Of all, all different price points, all different ages, all different sizes, shapes, you know, everything. There's Airstreams if you want to go with the classic look and all that. There's, they're all over the place. They're everywhere. And I thought, well, it seems like everybody seems generally happy that does this. You know, they go to the, the campgrounds and they're generally a happy group and they're excited about the community that they're in and they like to share, you know, tips and tricks and they love to see the country and, you know, do all that. It it turns out that maybe it's not quite as uh, as rosy as we think. You know, it's not it's not as exciting, it's not as as simple as we all think either to just hop in the RV and go off for a, a weekend trip or a week-long trip yeah, know, to right. a national park. There's a lot to it. So as, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of step through this uh, this video kind of quickly, but notes from the video. And I know that you've got some things to add to this as well, Kurt. Mm-hmm. So interrupt me whenever you need to okay. and uh, and stop me because I'm, I'm going to kind of buzz through these so we can get on to the truth about RVs and then oh, even some, you know, there's more surprises to come. There's a, there's a lot here. And uh, now I'm furiously searching through my notes, but I'll find, I'll find uh, all of my stuff, I promise, as we go. So the first thing that he mentions is that, as we all know, RVs are a huge purchase, and they're often more than a car, they're often more than a house to purchase. So they're, they're not like buying a $20,000 sedan and taking it off the lot. You're talking about like something that, that may end up costing you, not in every case, but you know, a quarter of a million dollars, a $250,000 purchase for a bigger RV, and then it goes up from there. Like, you know, you and I have seen these touring buses, you know, that type of coach that is uh, easily a million dollars 
um, or close to, if not more. It depends on what you outfit that whole thing with. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't know. Remember, he's speaking as an attorney at law in the state of Michigan specializing in lemon laws. He says that RVs are not covered by lemon laws in most states. And I didn't know that. I thought that RVs would be absolutely covered by lemon laws. Yeah. What that means is they will not buy back the vehicle if it's defective. They, they won't buy it back from you. Um, and the way that this all works is because RVs are subject to something different. They're subject to something called the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act. And a lot of people that are ready to buy an RV don't quite understand that. You get all excited about buying an RV. You've just retired, and it's always been your dream for the last 10, 15 years. I don't want to squish that for anybody, but maybe spend another couple of years looking into this and talking to people and, and following some of the tips that we're going to talk about. Because this Magnuson Moss Warranty Act is a much less well-defined version of the Lemon Law Act. And I'll tell you how that is. Um, in most lemon law cases, if a vehicle cannot be repaired under warranty in a certain number of repairs, and let's say it's, I'm going to just throw this out there. It's different by state, but six or seven times, mm-hmm. same repair. You give them another chance for the final repair and they don't do it still. That's one case. If they have the vehicle for, I think it's like 30 days in most cases and they can't repair it, and that's another case. So there, And there's all these different stipulations that fall under, your vehicle has to meet all these requirements to be purchased back again from, you know, by the manufacturer from you in order for you to get a new vehicle, a better vehicle. You know, when I said that the reasonable amount of times, I mean, the Magnuson, the Magnuson Moss warranty does not define what a reasonable number of times is. It doesn't say that. It says a reasonable amount of number of times, but it doesn't define the exact number as the Lemon Law does. So a manufacturer can claim that, you know, seven, eight, nine times is a reasonable amount or even 20 times bringing the same vehicle back for the same thing is a reasonable amount of time or number of repairs. Rather. Yeah, and from what I understand, it would be very hard to get your RV in for 20 repairs within the warranty period. Yes, exactly I mean, it right. It seems like it takes these folks forever to get their RV fixed. Yeah, that's another thing is that we've heard scary numbers about uh, how often and how long your RV is is almost expected to be in the shop every year. Yes. Didn't they say it's just that, the way it is? You know, you buy a brand new one right off the lot. Let's say you buy a brand new, mm-hmm. and which they say you never should do mm-hmm. in, for an RV, which blows my mind as well. But they say that if you buy a brand new one, you can expect that something it was something like seven or eight months out of the first year, you can expect it to be in the shop for repairs. Yeah. Some ridiculous amount of time. A brand new RV, brand like you don't get to use it for seven or eight months. Yeah, and they say oftentimes it'll have issues on the lot and they won't fix it until someone buys it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Known issues, but they they, look at, they see it every day. But they won't do it. They have understand, but it's not just the service. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into this and it's all part of this big story. Not that we're uncovering this, it's all known. It's just that we're discovering this, Mm -hmm. I guess, and we're helping you discover this as well if you didn't know. So the question is, why is there confusion? with this ownership, like this first year of ownership. And, and, you know, the, you know, let's say the manufacturer won't buy it back after you've taken it back seven or eight or nine times for the exact same situation, the exact same problem. Why won't they take it back? And there's a lot of confusion that happens. And, and that's because, as Stephen points out in this video, that there are a number of factors. One factor is that it's not uncommon to have three major companies involved in the build of an RV. It's not built by one company like you might think. Like, let's say you buy a Winnebago. Winnebago might build the shell of the thing, the box that goes on top of the chassis. However, the chassis might be built by a truck and bus company. 
Uh, so it might be a Bluebird chassis. And I don't know if this is true for, you know, Winnebago or not. But And the other thing is that, you know, the drivetrain is coming from somewhere else. You've got three possibilities here, the, you know, the box, the chassis, and then the drivetrain. And they all tend to blame the other guy for the problem. So no matter what your issue is, they're going to send you to someone else. And you might think, well, okay, well, that's not really an issue. I'm going to go to the dealer because I bought it from the dealer and that's who is responsible for this repair, right? And they were so friendly and helpful when I was buying it. So of course, yes, yeah, they're going to help point. me out here. Very good point. Okay. So that's another point is that, you know, you go into the dealership or the showroom for the, you know, the RVs and they're falling all over themselves trying to help you out. You're the king and queen uh, of the day as you're there trying to spend your $200,000 or whatever on an RV. Of course, the problem is as soon as you're done with that purchase, once you sign the purchase agreement, you go down to the bottom of the list again. And suddenly, you know, you're, you're gum on their shoe. They're, you're nothing. You know, you're, <laughs> it's like, um, you know, and I, I shouldn't say it as, as coarsely as that, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's like you're treated two completely different ways, and, it, and a lot of people have dealt with this. I mean, I don't think that it's uncommon uh, for people to be treated that way. And there's, there's some good reasons, I guess, for that. Well, you know what? There's no good reason to treat someone poorly. However, there, there are some understandable reasons why they tell you what they tell you. So there, there's you the dealer and the manufacturer. And you go back to the dealer, the dealer will send you to the manufacturer to have it changed, which, which to me, again, ridiculous. I don't know why you would ever go to the manufacturer uh, as, a, as a consumer, go to the manufacturer <laughs> yeah. and say you've got a problem. And the, the, cons- the manufacturer will say, you need to go to the dealer. And the dealer will say, well, you need to go to the, the chassis person because that's where the issue starts. And, you know, it's just this roundabout thing that, that could last literally months and no one will take responsibility for it and, and no one will pay for it. It's always somebody else's fault. And that's one thing that uh, is a huge, huge problem in this industry. You know, there's a lot of complexities to these vehicles that you don't think of that don't show up in other cars and trucks. And we'll talk about that in just a moment after we take a break. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back, and you're listening to Car Stuff, and I'm, well, I'm one of your hosts, Scott Benjamin. And I'm the other host, Kurt Guerin. Kurt's still here. Still Hanging here. in there. Hanging mm-hmm. in there, talking about RVs, and the complexity, I think, is where we were, Kurt, right? Yeah. So these are not like uh, like a typical car truck. Oh, no, no. You shouldn't look at it that way if you're trying to buy one. Well, how should we look at it? I mean... It's- Kind of like you're buying a house that you're going to drive down the road. No, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Because, I mean, that's that's kind of what you're doing, right? I mean, you're taking everything that you would have in a house, you know, uh, um, kitchen cabinets, you're taking appliances, counters with, you know, um, whatever. You're taking your beds, showers, you know, all the plumbing, everything. Just imagine, yeah. like, shaking the hell out of your house for about 10 hours a day on the road. That's that's what you're doing on the highway, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's shaking like crazy. It's not, the suspension's fine, but it, it still shakes. Um, you're going around turns, you know, so you're leaning and subjecting it to forces that normally wouldn't be there. It's all very, very different, isn't it? I mean, it's it's like it's like you're shaking your house for hours and hours at a time, and then later you would check and see what shook loose. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and something is inevitably going to shake loose. Well, I would think just about everything would would shake <laughs> loose. I mean, you have to you have to prepare for that, and that's the thing is that, you know, these are really complex vehicles. They're not as as simple to put together as people think. I mean, you, you might be able to do it in an extremely sturdy way in your own garage. You know, if you were to take on this project, if you were to you know create your own camper or your own you know whatever your own tow behind but it's going to be heavy it's going to be bulky it's not going to be as uh, as refined as something that you will purchase from a manufacturer and that's the thing is that you know all of these have things that you might not have considered they have plumbing they have electricity they've got heaters they've got fans ac units refrigerators microwaves satellite dishes hot TVs, water heaters hot water heaters uh, you've got a toilet that has to sit in there somehow you've got a shower um, all of these things a lot of them have uh, doors or drawers that have to be latched in some way. They're not like, you know, just your standard kitchen door hinge or yeah. whatever. It's a, it's a lot different. There's Even a lot... the fridge needs a, some sort of a latch on it. Exactly. And you have to be able to pack the fridge in a different way. I mean, yeah. you can't set something on a glass shelf in a refrigerator and expect that same item to be standing up or, you know, even on the same shelf when you get to wherever you're going. Yeah. It's going to be the bottom of the fridge, you know, in a heap yeah, exactly. after you make several, you know, left and right hand turns and stops and, you know, goes and, and all that. It's just going to be a mess. It's a lot like if somebody's on a yacht or something like that, you know, it's always in motion. There's mm-hmm. always other things to consider that you don't think. So it's completely different. A lot of owners are shocked and uh, just they don't expect what they get once they get into an RV. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. You know, they might have thought about it for years, but they have 
problems, and every RV is going to have problems. There's so many problems. In fact, you could spend $20,000 on an RV, you know, a crappy one, or $200,000 on an RV, and you're still going to have problems. You could spend a million dollars on an RV, you're still going to have some of these problems. It's just the way it is. Even just what you would maybe consider standard expectation, like having finished cabinets, things that you wouldn't imagine to have any defects when you bought it. You may drive it off the lot and find that some of the laminate hasn't even been installed, much less laminate that's installed and peeling or nails that haven't been properly concealed and just things that you wouldn't even think a new product would have. These things tend to have on a regular basis just right off the lot. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's uh, Stephen Leto. I'm still following his uh, his video here. He says that you know he's he's seen people that have spent again quarter of a million dollars on an RV. And they encounter, you know, and we're talking instant, like on the drive home from the dealership, instant problems with plumbing, water leaks. If there's a rainstorm, you know, water comes pouring in the windshield, broken cabinets. There's even fires. I mean, he said he's he's had one that caught on fire that he's represented in the past or, or at least tried to represent. And I guess what happened there was like a, a six-figure RV that had just left the lot gets above 50 miles per hour and the rear axle caught on fire. I mean, that's crazy. That's, that's just unbelievable that something like that would happen. There's this dealer manufacturer disconnect and the thing is like you're not really protected like you think you are as Steven says in, in here so many times he says it so many times and the idea is that you need to and everybody knows this that when you sign something you should read all of it right so let's say they, they put a purchase agreement in front of you and you read all of the purchase agreement no problems right everything looks really good you agree to everything on that purchase agreement and you sign it Well, then what happens is they bring you the warranties, and I say warranties because, as we said, you know, there's the the, the box itself, then there's the chassis, and then there's the drivetrain, and they're all made by different manufacturers, and they all have their own warranties. So you get maybe what he says, it, it could be even a box of warranties that you get, and you've already signed the purchase agreement, or you haven't signed it yet, and they hand you these, and you have a choice. You either read all of the warranties from cover to cover and understand everything in them before you sign the purchase agreement, or you sign the purchase agreement, and then they hand you the warranties. Yeah. Which and, I think you should probably take the time to read everything. You know, One of the main takeaway from the whole RV lifestyle that I think should be hammered in from the get-go is that everything just needs to be slowed down. Oh, you know what? That's you a good point. You need to slow down the purchase process, and then everything after that gets well, slower. Living is slower. You know, driving from place to place <laughs> is slower. You walk slower. Yeah, you just yeah, yeah. You, you react slower. It's just, you just slow everything down. <laughs> I, I think that's good advice, and it's really hard to do, though, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of people, as we've said, they have this dream. They have this idea from you know maybe my age, maybe 40-plus years on, that when they turn 70 or 65 or whatever or younger, they're going to retire, and they're going to drive around the country. They're going to tour the national parks. They've got this very romanticized view of what it's going to be like, yeah. and I don't think they have the full picture. They don't really, they haven't gotten the best advice. And some some good advice, I guess, and this isn't the best advice, but this is good advice, is you don't ask the seller about a brand's reputation or quality before you buy it. Mm-hmm. You don't go to the dealer and you say, like, how, well, how reliable are the, uh, the, is the brand X? And they'll tell you, of course, well, that's our top-of-the-line brand, sir. Of course, we, you know, we never have any problems with it and everything's fine. Step over this way and we'll talk about financing. You know, that's how it goes usually. 
But the advice that was given by Stephen, and this is something that I had never heard of before, and this is fascinating to me. This is an idea, and you said slow down, right? You wait for the RV season, I guess, or whatever that is. Go to the local campground, and you find an RV owner that has the same brand of RV that you are looking to purchase. You know, you've already scouted this out. You've already checked it out online. You've gone to the dealership. You've looked it over. Kick the tires, but you haven't purchased anything yet. And don't buy the first time you go there. That's, that's important as well. Slow it down. You're right, Kurt. <laughs> so so here's how slow you're going. You're now at the campground. You're asking a person that owns that type of RV how reliable it is, what types of problems they've had. And this uh, Stephen Leto guy has said, you know, typically these are really outgoing people. These are people that are gregarious. They want to talk to people. They like company, typically. Be cautious about this. You know, approach somebody carefully. But ask them about the real story, about this brand or about this particular model or, you know, whatever you want to know. But talk to the person running the campground as well because they see every type of RV that comes through there and they know all the problems because they've had to deal with them. You know, they've had, you know, somebody that comes up and says, hey, my plumbing hookup isn't working or my electrical connections aren't doing something, you know, whatever. And he's seen all of it. I mean, he's seen rust on brand new RVs and, and there's a good reason for that too. I mean, I think you alluded to that earlier, you know, why a brand new RV could have rust on it. Oh, before we even get to the rust, I guess maybe that comes along with the inspection, right? Yeah. In that you should have every single one of these inspected, whether it's new used, I mean, I'm talking brand new on the lot, have somebody come in, a professional, an outside person, come in and inspect that RV. And they probably will give you a little bit of trouble about it, a little bit of a uh, little bit of guff yeah. about it because it's brand new, right? What could be wrong? But there's a reason for doing that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they've been on the lot for a while, but a lot of them have been driven from Indiana where a lot of them are yeah. made. They've been driven down to could whatever be in the snow, dealer right? you're going to. Yeah, it could be in the snow, yeah. rain. There's lots of snow in Indiana and they use salt on the roads. Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to take that into account. Yeah. I mean, and if you get if you buy the thing, you know, in a, a southwestern climate where you might think well, it's a brand new RV. There can't be any rust underneath this thing. It's, it had to have been built somewhere near here, right? Yeah. Uh, not the case. A lot of them come from Indiana. We'll talk about some numbers as we get uh, a little further on in the podcast here. But yeah, I mean, you, you just check all the hookups at the dealership. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to inspect it, but essentially it's akin to a house inspection that you want to do on this as well as a vehicle inspection. So you need someone who is carefully trained in this, who's able to test everything at the dealership, and I mean everything, all the hookups, all the plumbing, look for delamination, you know, check out the tires, check out the chassis, check out the interior components, the electrical system, you know, all that. Um, It's a big, big purchase. It's a big job to inspect that purchase as well. It's a good way to vet a dealer as well. If they won't let you take your time and have someone in and look at it, then you may not want to deal with this particular dealer. So it's always a good... um, tactic when buying anything big like this to, again, take your time and yeah. and make the dealer sweat it out a little bit. Yeah. And like we said, you know, we know we know for a fact, and this happens at car dealerships too, but more so at an RV dealer, unfortunately, according to everything that I've read. I don't know if there's other sources out there. I'm sure there are that have had great experiences, but um, they'll treat you completely different before and after a purchase. It's something that um, they, in a way, have to... I'll, I'll tell you the reason why. Not that they have to, it's just that they, they do because of this reason. There probably is a better way to put that, but the deal is that they have, you know, these giant sales departments, acres large. I mean, huge places that they've got, you know, like for sales and they've got the, the showroom floor, of course, and that's, a you know, a great big part of it. Then they've got this tiny little area that is the service department. That's all they've got. 
and they're trying to service everybody that's coming in there through maybe two, three, four bays that they have, and that's it. Mm-hmm. When you look at the overall size of the property and the dealership, it's almost as if they should have, you know, five times what they have for service, but they don't. And that's the case in most of the, the dealerships. Yeah. And there's um, so many different parts on RVs as well, and parts availability is probably an issue. Sure. And how many RVs are made with parts that are standardized. Maybe year from year they change, maybe season from season they change. Oh, and sure. So a lot of it comes down to, I think, parts availability and, and that sort of thing. Oh, it has to. I mean, there's no way around it, but I think maybe that one of the biggest things here, maybe maybe the uh, the most important part of this or, or why it's so frustrating or so maddening for an owner to come back to a dealership for service is because there's no doubt about this. Dealers are really not in any hurry to service your RV. Uh, they're not going to move you up in line because you've got an issue that you need fixed, you know, before next weekend's camping trip. They're not going to do that. They're going to tell you, bring it back in five months or leave it here for five months and maybe we'll get to it before then. And all the while they're running out the clock on the and, warranty. Well, and yeah, that's right. The warranty is another thing, you know, that might only last a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, that was all buried within one of the warranties there that, you know, the, the warranty only lasts a year, but you're thinking that you have a warranty on other parts for maybe two years, but they are letting that clock out. But the crux of this whole thing is that they don't have to adhere to the Lemon Law. They've got this this Magnus, uh, Magnuson-Moss Act that they can adhere to, which is, is a lot different. And for them to be able to sit on your RV and say, like, we just can't get to it for five months, that's not unusual. That's not unheard of. In fact, it's common for them to do something like that because, again, the service department is very small and they're taxed. I mean, the, the service guys, it's not their fault. They're under a lot of pressure to get things done as well. And that may also lead to some issues, you know, if they're trying to hurry things through and, and you know, rush the repairs. You don't want that as well because you're going to be taking this house essentially down the road at 70 miles an hour you know, whatever the speed is, and living in it, and you're going to be in rainstorms and snowstorms and whatever, you want them to do a quality repair and you want them to do it right, and you don't want them to be rushing through the job. So I don't know, it's this give and take that happens. It's uh, Essentially, it all boils down to this. It's, it's If you're going to buy an RV, you should expect to have a lot of problems, even long repairs, of course. And the other thing that you could do, I guess, and this is awful, is that you can just kind of learn to live with what's wrong. I mean, you can learn to live with some things that are not quite right, you know, like the maybe you can't wash your laundry as you go out because, you know, the washer dryer doesn't work. Or maybe your microwave shakes loose every time you drive, so you have to take that out of the console and put that on the floor of the RV. You just have to deal with certain things or wait for that opportunity, that slot to open at the dealership and take it in for the repair. Yeah, or you get creative, maybe build certain things within the RV that make better what the problem was. a lot of Get used to fixing problems yourself, that yeah, sort of thing. A lot of RV owners are pretty good at DIY. And yeah. and that's one thing that a lot of, uh, you know, the veterans of this community will tell you is that you get good at fixing things yourself and you have to rely on yourself and you have to have the tools and the know-how to use those tools in order to be able to do this. But um, if you can, you know, logically or, you know, if you're mechanically inclined even a little bit, you can think your way around a lot of these problems and have your own solutions on the road. And a lot of times you have to on the road in order mm-hmm. to be able to make it work or to make it at least usable for that trip. And then maybe, maybe then if you have an opportunity to take it somewhere, even if it's not an RV service area, you can take it somewhere else and have it serviced. Yeah, so, you know, but there are certain rare. things, axles catching on fire and window seals leaking. You, you, from can't, the, you, you can't overcome that. Right. Well, then that can't happen with a new RV. No, no. Uh, And you're not going to just pull into the local, um, you know, quick oil change place and have it serviced as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a different beast altogether. It's it's something unique. So, you know, all of this, and we're we're definitely 
just beginning to scrape the surface on this. We've got more to cover, and I, and I will do that. But remember, if you're going to buy an RV, keep all of this in mind. Just protect yourself. Make sure that you know that RVs in general, in general, are trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you buy, you know, someone who warns you about <laughs> buying a boat or something like that. I mean, you have to kind of enter this this community, this lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, with your eyes wide open and, and you know, kind of the, you have to have the understanding, the knowledge, the know-how to get around this or to, to understand what you're getting into and to be able to accept that because otherwise you're going to have a really difficult time with this whole thing. And I think that might be a good place to stop for a break right now and we'll come back and talk about the truth about RVs, a little bit about the industry and, uh, and another uh, video that I watched that I found interesting that talks about construction issues and quality issues in current RVs and to me, this is a really eye-opening video that brought up a lot of issues, the construction issues, because this comes down to the quality of build that's going into current RVs and why maybe they are suffering in modern day. And we'll talk about that in just a moment after we take a break. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jin, and the last star on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. 
Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And once again, we are back, and you're listening to Car Stuff, and I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Kurt Guerin. And we are just getting past, finally, the video from Stephen Leto, an attorney at law in the state of Michigan, that he uh, he warns you not to buy an RV, and you'll find that that is very common, unfortunately, on a lot of websites and a lot of online forums. I'm sure you'll find a lot of other RV promotional-type material that comes from the dealers and from, you know, people in, interested in selling RVs or the RV lifestyle communities, you know, whatever, um, people that are campsite owners, that type of person, and people that just have generally had a good experience. But I would bet, Kurt, that a lot of those people have experiences from maybe not the recent era, maybe not, uh, you know, a, a modern RV, because I think there's a lot of problems that are happening right now with modern RVs that were not necessarily happening, I wouldn't say a decade ago, but more than a decade ago. Yeah. It seems like pre-2008, mm-hmm. like 2008 was the time that things started going downhill for probably a bunch of different reasons. Interesting timing, isn't it? Right, right. along with the uh, right along with the housing, housing market, market crash, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and of course, the recession that followed that. And uh, there's some good numbers that, uh, that match that. And interestingly enough, in this article, and I'll tell you what the article is because I've determined that we just are not going to be able to cover this in the way that I wanted to cover it. But uh, the truth about our fees is the is the main article that we're going to kind of skip over here now. It's definitely worth about 10 or 15 minutes of your time to read. It was written in 2019 by a writer called Andrew uh, Zaleski. And that's for, it comes from Curbed.com if you want to find that article. Curbed.com. And it's uh, a couple of different stories here. It, it has both sides. It has, uh, well, actually three different sides or even more. It comes from you know, some people that have been living in the RV community for a while, they have been for several years, they're experienced, and they buy a brand new one, and some of the trials and tribulations that they go through with their brand new one, and stuff that they didn't expect with the brand new one versus the old one. Then there's uh, some people that they talk to in this article that come from the industry. Of course, they talk to Stephen Leto, the attorney, but they also talk to people that are in media relations and presidents of manufacturers, and they, they really actually did a, quite a, a decent job of getting everybody's voice into this article article. And I don't want to just gloss over that because it's a relatively well-balanced piece, even though uh, now that I say that, I'm going to say something that that contradicts that. But (laughs) it does slant a little bit towards it's not a good idea to buy an RV. It slants that way only because, in my own opinion, what I heard from the owners, the people that experience these things out on the road and the people that uh, have actual hands-on experience with RVs, some of the things that they're talking about here just frighten the hell out of me. I would not be able to go in and make a purchase knowing what I know now after reading this article as easily or as readily as I would have before if I wanted to do that. Now, the, on the other side, the manufacturers and the people that are in the industry that you know are promoting this type of living, they're the ones that are saying, hey, everybody's great here. I don't know what you're talking about. There's an 88% approval rating. Everybody has either a good, great, or a fantastic experience at my dealership, and I don't know what, you're, what all the negativity is about. But you go out in the community... And you read the forums and you read, of course, some of the horror stories that happen. That's where you get, you know, some of the the real stories, I guess, about, you know, what these things are like once you take them outside of the dealership or, you know, the treatment that you receive after you've made that purchase. Yeah, it's just one of those things that's such a high dollar purchase for most people. And they've built it up for so long that when you finally do get to the point where you buy one and 
say, for $200,000, and then you drive it off the lot, and then it depreciates, and then you have problems with it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find the silver lining, I sure. guess, when you've already lost 10% of the value and oh, sure. you're having and all these issues. You just feel like you made a big mistake. You feel stupid. Yeah, and how are you going to get out from underneath that, right? I mean, you've got to sell that pile of junk to somebody else. Yeah. And you're going to feel terrible about it unless you tell them all about the problems, and then you're and going to take a, you're going to take a huge hit <laughs> if they even buy it. It can be a serious problem. And this is just uh, this is a lot like people that I hear that buy you know a great big boat or mm-hmm. any boat really. Mm-hmm. They say the you know the best two days when you when you own a boat are like the day you bought it and then the day you sell it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true or not. I've never owned one, but I could understand all the problems in between. Uh, you do get a lot of enjoyment out of it in the meantime. But yeah. there are also a lot of headaches, and I think that's what they're getting at here. And, yeah, as you go through this story, um, you'll hear about a couple that bought, you know, a $140,000 RV, brand new. It was a Winnebago brand, I'll tell you that, and it had a bad suspension, and, you know, there were a lot of issues with it. And they eventually did trade up and trade out of this thing. They're already having problems with their new unit uh, by the end of this article. You know? yeah. <laughs> but And I'll tell you, like, you, we talked about how the industry has taken a little bit of a hit. I'll tell you why this happens in just a minute, but we should understand the numbers. And the, the housing market crash happened around 2008, right? 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, nine, somewhere in there. The number of units sold, uh, you know, RVs total, this is all different types of RVs, between 2008 and 2009 was around 170,000 per year. So that's not a whole lot when you listen to some of these other numbers. And that was down from previous years, but I don't have the previous year numbers. In 2017, so you fast forward nine years forward, they sold 500,000 plus units in 2017. So the number went up enormously. By 2018, last year, they dropped down just a little bit. It was 482,000 units. 2019, it's down about 20% over the year prior. So again, I don't know what that number is. I guess it's down about uh, about 440,000, something like that. By 2020, however, they are expecting an increase again. You know, you would think, okay, what's the what's the correlation here? What's the tie-in? Well, it turns out that it is more tied to the economy than anything else and more than you would expect. And it's people that you would not expect as well. Millennials are tied into the resurgence of the RV lifestyle or the RV community. And I would never have expected millennials because you would think that this is kind of, um, for lack of a better way to put it, an, an old person's sport, right? I mean, it's an old person's game in that you retire and you take your RV and you travel around, you see the country or whatever. But millennials actually have a, a huge part in this. And in fact, most, actually a lot of households have a part in this because last year, I think it was something like 78.8 million households at least spent one day camping or in an RV in 2018, which I found as a high number, 78.8 million households. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. A lot of households. Yeah, it really is. So here's the way this whole thing plays out. It's not just aging baby boomers that are buying these things, because that's who you'd think are buying them, or, you know, people that are already retired beyond that even. But millennials were actually 41% of those campers that went out and enjoyed the great outdoors in 2018, I guess. So here's the the cycle. If the economy is good, people become kind of interested in in the uh, nomadic lifestyle. And, And, you know, they simply want take vacations. They want to get out. They want to relax a little bit, right? So the times are good. They're, they're you know, they're working. They're working hard. They're, they need their relaxation and enjoyment, etc. So that makes sense. They, it, this kind of leads to an increase in the number of units that are then needed. You know, the supply or the uh, demand rather goes up. So they build more to meet that and to supply that. And as the public demand goes up, you know, of course, they, they have to meet that supply by building more units faster. They have this, uh, this sudden rush on the factory. Instead of needing, uh, you know, 20,000 units this year, we're going to need 30,000 or whatever it is, you know, the, the manufacturers producing, they need to create more RVs and create more RVs faster. And so what that leads to is the speed, the speed of course goes up, but the quality goes down. 
And, uh, and that kind of makes sense, right? They're trying to turn them out a lot faster. In turn, the dealers from the manufacturers are receiving already like a faulty product, you know, so maybe not all the connections are made. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe something was forgotten, you know, along the assembly line. A lot of flaws can happen in that quick build. Yeah, they're more manually constructed too, I believe. It's not as automated a process as oh, say a car would be. It's uh, They're entirely hand-built. We've already kind of hinted at this or, or talked about it maybe even a little bit, but the dealers are receiving faulty products from the manufacturers and they may or may not know it. We don't know. You know, we can't say for sure. But then those sometimes will sit on the lot and then be sold to somebody. And then when you bring it back and say, hey, my shower's not hooked up properly, the water just floods out underneath or, you know, whatever the toilet does, you take Take it back to the dealer, and of course they're going to just pass that problem right along. I mean, right along to you, and you know, say that you need to go to the manufacturer, etc. And that's where that whole turmoil begins, or that whole process. So, oh my gosh, if you look at if you look at online horror stories for RVs, and it's as simple as doing a search like that, you can find you know that the, there are quality of build issues, there's missing items, there's just poor design, there's outdated design. A lot of people have a lot of problems with RVs. And one thing that I do want to say that is interesting and kind of exciting that happened this week, which is really good for the industry, I think, is that there was something opened this week in, uh, we, we mentioned Elkhart, Indiana, right? Elkhart, Indiana is like the, the hub, the center of everything RV. Yeah. And I think they even have an RV museum that we talked about in some other episode here on Car Stuff. You'll see that there's a lot of manufacturers, a lot of RV lots there. There's an infamous dealer that's there that uh, has, uh, his name's Tom Raper, and he has, at least to live in Indiana, and there, there were always Tom Raper RV ads on TV, always. And they have X number of acres of RVs available at any time. You know, you can go and look at them there. It's this huge lot. You wouldn't believe how many there are. But on September 23rd, which is the week that we are recording this show, they opened a brand new $10 million facility called the RV Technical Institute in Elkhart, Indiana. And this is something brand new for the whole industry. It's something they've never had before. It says that two-thirds of the RVs in the U.S., along with the appliances and furniture that outfit them, are made in Elkhart, Indiana. So that gives you an idea of how important Elkhart, Indiana is to the RV industry. This new training center, which trains the nation's RV technicians, it's not just the technicians from Elkhart, but it's everybody. They can all come there for training and to learn exactly how to repair these things, how to do it faster, how to do it better, etc. It's kind of a train-the-trainer situation there. Right now, there's about 13,000 RV technicians in the United States, which is actually a pretty big number, really, when you think about it. But they're also going to, they're going to train all of them, plus they're going to train brand new technicians to work in dealerships across the country. So the idea is that they get more technicians, they're going to be able to service and better help the customer a lot faster and have better knowledge, you know, have more up-to-date knowledge and be able to go back for update training and, and, you know, refresher courses and things like that. So I think it's a really good point to make that this is a vital part of this whole rebirth process of bringing RVing back into, in favor, I guess, into, you know, like, something that people want to participate in because right now it's kind of getting a negative rap, which I guess you and I both didn't know about. Um, I for sure didn't know about it. I, I'm just not part of the community. Yeah, so. I just didn't know the extent into which it was like a systemic problem within the industry. I, I guess so. I mean, the owners themselves have said, you know, the quality, and I'll quote one of them here, since the recession, the quality has gone down the drain. There's been just a wide range of concerns, not just by them, but among everybody that they talk to when they go to RV events or RV campgrounds, they find that parts are missing. They've got faulty appliances, you know, 
it runs the whole gamut. I mean, electrical systems that don't work, hookups that don't work for whatever reason. Of course, they're not going to get any satisfaction at the dealership for months on end. So they're kind of stuck. You know, it just seems like there's a lot of problems in this industry right now that I really didn't know about. And if you read this article, and I encourage you to do so, it's again, it's called uh, The Truth About RVs. You're going to get both sides of the story. And there's probably more here that I should talk about, but I really want to get on to the quality issues, the quality of build issues, because there's a couple things here that I hadn't really thought about. And, and it all makes sense. We'll start by saying that this is a video that was called Why Are Modern RVs Junk? Now, you're going to think that that is really, uh, why would I pick that one, right? Because my first one was called Don't Buy an RV. Now I'm looking at a video that's called Why Are Modern RVs Junk? Well, the truth is there's hundreds of these videos out there, if not thousands. I don't know how many there really are, but th this is predominantly the videos you'll find right now about modern RVs. And modern is always the key word here. Even in the other video that we talked about, modern is the key word because I think that the quality has gone down so much since 2008. And this technical institute, this technical building that's being built in, in Elkhart is going to help with this. But again, this video talks about construction videos mostly. And I wanted to talk about construction because I find this part fascinating and just like some things you can think about, about why the build quality has gone down. Because I was kind of wondering the same thing. It's not just all about speed. Mm -hmm. It's about the actual quality of the materials themselves. So they're trying to build not only lighter weight units. And okay, again, side note here, I guess. And this is according to this uh, this person that, that posted this video. The idea is that manufacturers are building these ultralight vehicles, these uh, light, lightweight campers. They even call them this. They'll call them light, ultralight, you know, that hyperlight or whatever. You can tow them with a sedan or even a compact car. And we've all seen this probably on the road. You've seen the car that looks way too small towing a big trailer behind it. And that's probably not a good idea for a lot of reasons, for the car and for the trailer itself. And I'll, I'll tell you why for the trailer in just a minute. But the idea is that you get somebody to come into the dealership and look at a camper. You want them to leave with a camper. You want to be able to convince them that, yeah, I know you're driving a Ford Taurus, but you can pull this camper with it. So, hey, why not? Uh, why don't you have a cup of coffee in the waiting room? We'll put a hitch on that and you'll be able to drive right out of here with your new camper today. How about that? And and that's very, you know, enticing to people, intriguing to people. So the idea is for the, the manufacturer is to build a lighter weight product so that that can happen more often than not, you know, than to have to say, well, you're going to need a, a truck or an SUV to pull this. How are you going to handle that? You know, unless you drove in in one, you have to go get one or, you know, buy one or whatever. That, put, that delays the whole process. So they're trying to build these lightweight units and... All of them, all the new units are, are lightweight or they're trying to be lightweight in some way so that, you know, the, again, the compacts or even the small SUVs can pull them. But they're not just lightweight. They're, they're not using lightweight materials. They're using less material in them. And that's one of the uh, the weight savings that are one of the ways they're trying to save weight. They're also using less sealants and less resilient compounds that don't last quite as long. And they're also using, get this, they're using smaller screws. They're using thinner and shorter screws in order to get this done. So they're using also lightweight screws. So the quality of the screws themselves, even though you know, they're smaller, they're thinner, they are lighter weight, and they're trying to use them for the same purposes they did before with the, you know, the heavy-duty you know, wood screws or whatever they were using before that. And they're using, not only that, they're using less of them. 
So less fasteners are going into this whole th- into everything. The result, of course, is that you're going to find that you know a lot of components fail, or you're going to find things that go just miserably wrong. Screws that back themselves out as you drive, screws that strip themselves out, or just simply pull out of the wood. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of problems. Seals are going to leak because they're cheap sealants, or there's not enough of the sealant used. And that's very very common. You're also going to find that because of this enticement, I guess, to sell more RV units faster and maybe even lower the price, you get a, a better deal on them. Surprise on a newer product, right? You're going to find that you're going to have to compromise in quality and uh, um, and longevity in these in these products, and, mm-hmm. and that's really too bad, I guess. When you're when you're buying something that is this expensive, even at a, at a deal, you're still paying a lot of money for them. Of course, we talked about this already, but plumbing connections are poorly done, or you know, even something simple as they're not using enough Teflon tape in the connections to make a watertight seal. A lot of that stuff happens. There's misthreaded connections, and you know, because they're too rushed at the manufacturer in order to put them together correctly. So you have to be, we've already said this once, but you have to be mechanically inclined at least a little bit in order to do this. Have the right tools, have the right equipment, you know, know how to make it work. Uh, Be able to do these basic repairs on the road, you know, at minimum and have some basic supplies. It's just overall, I I guess maybe we'll move on here at this point. (laughs) I feel like I've done enough damage to the RV industry with with this, uh, this podcast, but there's just overall a lot of pressure on the builders at the factory to turn out the product that the customer wants at the speed the, the dealers need. And that's kind of this back and forth battle that so many of them do. And, and, you know, that's where the problem happens. You know, a lot of the backup is happening at the service department of the dealership. And that goes back again to this Magnuson Moss Act and, you know, why maybe they're not getting the satisfaction of the dealership that they necessarily should. But yeah. Well, things um, snowball too when the industry starts to struggle. And so right now they're in a position where they need to start producing better product in order to, <laughs> I guess, build the reputation of the industry back up. Well, sure. It's very hard to do when you're already kind of working at a disadvantage. Like when you lose your, I guess, your base customer mm-hmm. and you have to start broadening and appealing to people without SUVs, for example, or people without maybe even the know-how to take their life on the road, yeah. you start to create more repairs and more costs for the company. It just seems like it it creates all these issues that don't necessarily lead to a rosy end. Uh, yeah, sure. And, you know, a lot of people's lives depend on this industry. I mean, there's 600,000 employees in the United States that work in the RV industry right now. 600,000. Uh, that accounts for something like $32 billion in wages and $12 billion in federal, state, and local taxes. So it's it's a huge part of the economy. It's a great big part of the economy. You know, there's like, uh, I think just in Indiana, just to, have, to give you an idea of how important, again, Indiana is to the RV industry, 126,140 people are working for 644 RV businesses in Indiana alone. So mm. that's a, a huge part of Indiana's economy. And and that also includes, you know, there's other places that have similar economies like that with RV employees. California, Texas, Oregon, and Ohio are both uh, you know, really, really tied to the RV industry. And so there's a lot going on there. And, you know, the industry has slowed down, as this article points out. They're hoping that in 2020, it's going to come back. That's the the projected numbers are showing that it's, it is going to come back slightly, but maybe not to the, the fervor that it had for the last several years, you know, kind of rebuilding after the recession. But hopefully it will for the people that are employed in that industry. Now, I mean, really, until I read all of this until this week, I have been kind of blind to all of this. I knew that there could be problems, of mm-hmm, course, mm-hmm. And, but that's with any vehicle. It's with any this purchase, really. seems to be just standard. It's, it's, it's the way it is it's, with RVs. It's more and bigger than it's bigger than I thought. You, you, it's also uncommon to leave a vehicle at a at a shop for five or six months at a time. Yeah, that's, that's, that's always been that's yeah. always been unnecessary. But then again, has it always been that way? 
and now we're just hearing about it because everybody's got, you know, a way to publish. They can, mm-hmm. You can just go on your laptop, go on your phone, and here's my opinion, mm-hmm. and no one's really checking that. And how many times do you go online and write about something great? You don't. You go online and write about a bad experience. That's what happens. People, well, people It's a great check and balance, though, for businesses. That's well, all the more reason for the industry to, to step it up. It is. And, and do I, things the right way. And, and to be fair... I think that they're doing what they can, or at least at the at the the epicenter of the whole thing mm-hmm. in Elkhart, Indiana, in Elkhart County. I think with that RV Technical Institute that they've opened, I think that's a great start. I think yeah. that's a fantastic. It sounds move like on their they're part. trying to step in the right direction. I, I really sure. do. I feel like this is something that can be turned around. There's kind of a dark era here where people are unhappy, mm-hmm. and I feel like if they just turn it around right now. Just start right now, like today. Get it, and they did this week, right? I mean, they started Monday mm-hmm. uh, with this institute. They can maybe wipe the slate clean going forward, maybe in a few years from now. I don't expect it to happen overnight. I never do, but it can happen soon enough that people will maybe get to a point where they forget what happened between 2008 and 2019. Yeah, and the thing that the industry has going for it is that it is a dream. Many people have it, and yeah. that dream's not going to go away. And in order to fulfill this dream, they need the RV. Yeah. So it's always going to be a product that people are going to be fantasizing about. Well, ever since the advent of the automobile, people have have wanted to get, you know, out of their present environment and into a more peaceful environment. Mm-hmm. You know, take it up to the lake, take it out to the woods, take it to the mountains or, you know, whatever. And to be able to do that in an RV and to enjoy yourself and not have to worry about these piddling repairs that you have mm-hmm. to do all the time, it would be somebody's dream. That would be fantastic. It's just not going to happen that way. You're always going to have problems of some sort, but I think that there's a lot that they're doing right now to prevent some of the bigger issues that that are plaguing the industry. I think that there's something more going on here than just, you know, what has always been there. It's not the same as it always was. It's not like, you know, that nostalgic camping trip that you took with your parents back in the 1950s in, you know, a, a pop-up camper or whatever you had. Yeah. It's not the same as, as it was then. It's a little different. I think they can get back to that if they if they really put everything they've got behind it. Mm-hmm. I think they can get back to that, the, kind of the glory days. Maybe you should think about it like you're stepping back into time and have expectations of, you know, I'm going to have problems with this. Yeah. I should learn how to fix certain things myself rather than take it back to the dealer for, say, like a, a screw falls out. Well, no, find a way be, to fix the screw. Be, be a little more independent is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Fantastic point. And a lot of these articles and videos and, you know, everything, you know, even the ones that tell you don't do it or whatever, they'll say if you are going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. here's what you do. And and one of the main things that they say, one of the main focus points is that you have to be just even a little bit mechanically inclined. You have to be able to just kind of think your way around these problems and, so, you know, come up with solutions on your own because you're going to have to on the road. And mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. If you're going to live with this nomadic lifestyle, you have to treat it in a different way than if you're you're parked in your home and you can call somebody or you can have somebody come out and pick up your, your vehicle and take it away or mm-hmm. you know whatever. You can't do that. You, can't, you just can't do that. So um, I, I hope we're balancing this enough with, you know, like, you know, still give it a shot. Give it a chance. You know, look into it, investigate it, see if it's right for you. I really don't want to discourage anybody, but I personally have been discouraged a little bit this <laughs> week uh, by reading all this. I've read so much negative material and some bad things. I, Again, I don't want it to be like, you know, the end-all uh, reason that you don't do this in your retirement or whatever. I don't want that to be the case. I, I, investigate it, do your own homework, check out everything about it and learn all about it and take some of the advice that everybody gives you online, you know, I mean, good, bad, whatever. Just, uh, just protect yourself. Make sure you protect yourself because it could cost you in the end. Big. Big. All right. So 
If you want more information about any or all of this stuff, you can you know check us out on uh, social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at we are Car Stuff HSW. And, of course, you can check out our show's website at carstuffshow.com, and that's where you can check out our podcast archives, where we have, oh gosh, it must be about 900 or more episodes at this point, it seems like anyway. That's where we've stored all of our episodes of Car Stuff, so you can give that a try. I'm sure there's something there that you'll find. If you do a search, you'll find something that you like. Almost guarantee it. Almost. Um, and if you do, of course, like what you hear, you, know, you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your podcast. That's always fair to do. And if you want to, uh, you can refer us to a friend. That's always a good way for us to gain listeners and, you know, for you to kind of, uh, I don't know, be on the uh, the edge of something that, you know, maybe your friend doesn't know about. You can, you know, <laughs> say, hey, I, I don't know if you've heard of this one, but, uh, you know, Car Stuff's pretty good. I like that show. Or, you know what? That's the other thing you could do because uh, there's so much information there. Maybe you hide it from your friends and uh, and you use this as like a trivia source, right? You can go back and listen to all of the episodes of Car Stuff. You can be the one that answers everything automotive for all of your friends and they don't know that you're getting all the information from Car Stuff. That's the other option. So either you tell your friends, we get new listeners. You don't tell anybody, we don't get new listeners, but you're the know-it-all. That's your options. That's good How about that? Good option. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told people not to, not to listen. Okay. I think we've exhausted uh, just about everything on this topic, Kurt. What do you think? I think so. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's get out of here, and we'll wrap it up with this, and uh, we'll come back next week with a new, exciting topic. How about that? Sounds good. All right. Take it easy, everybody, and we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Car Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.